I want you to turn to John 21, and I have agonized over what to, to speak to you today about, and really my heart is to, to be an encouragement to you. Um, I was remembering back to when I was sitting in your seat and some of the things that might have plagued my heart and uh, just hindered me from uh, really catching all that the Lord wanted me to. But I'm, I'm, I'm in the right way. I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm proud of uh, how you've committed your life. And maybe you're even here just for a year and you're saying, I'm just going to give God the opportunity to work my life. Um, great going. Good job. And uh, just give God that opportunity. And like I preached yesterday, keep focused on the Lord. That's really where I want to bring us again today is to get focused on the Lord. There's going to be times where we mess up. And you might even deal with that uh, even now in your life, thinking, you know, I, I messed up. I went home. I, I, I messed up. I, I'm not... I'm not serving the Lord like I ought to. I, I, I went back on him. I, I wasn't bold for him. Or whatever it is, I, or I just, I, 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 I sinned and I messed up. And we deal with that. And uh, I want to encourage you today. You're there at John 21, but let me start with, uh, with the Lord, our shepherd, in Psalm 23. Um, during 2020, when we were, I was preaching to a camera like that, I, I took the church on Sunday night through... Um, Psalm 23, just because we needed that. We needed the, the healing voice in the hands of Jesus Christ. And uh, I would rather them be in front of me, but one of the most impactful sermons during that um, was Jesus, our restoring shepherd. In Psalm 23, in verse number three, he says, he restoreth my soul. How many of you have read William Keller's book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23? Every one of you need to have that. Every one of you need to read that. Um, you're going to find that the ministry is much about just your relationship with the Lord and keeping it, keeping it close and intimate. When you start realizing that the Lord is your shepherd, he's not some distant God that you need to check off a to-do list in order to please. He is, he is a personal, intimate shepherd. And you are not going to be able to mend, you're not going to be able to shepherd others if you are not being shepherded by your shepherd. Let me just encourage you to get that book. Uh, you can get it on Kindle. You can listen to it on Hoopla. You, can, you, you, need, you need that. But uh, something that he brings out in that book is the fact that legitimately sheep will become cast. When we talk about a cast sheep, it's one that has fallen down on their back and cannot get up again. There are going to be times in your spiritual journey that you get cast. You get down on your back. And except for the loving hand of your shepherd, you're not getting up again. What happens with the sheep is gases begin to, to build up in their system, and literally, they can stay in that situation and die. And it is only a watchful shepherd that comes along and rescues them. David said this in Psalm 42, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou cast down? He says it several times. David understood shepherding. He understood what it meant to have a cast sheep. Now, sheep can come cast because they're in their comfort zone. They lay down in kind of a hollow in the ground, and then they just kind of get to a point where they can't get up again. Well, we can become cast in a comfort zone where we are without the, the reviving hand of our shepherd. We're not getting back up again. We're not out of that comfort zone, and it'll hurt us. We can become cast through excess by just chasing after the pleasures of life and materialism. Yeah, even Christian ministers can do that. We can become cast, and without the shepherd um, reviving us, restoring us, drawing us back up, we can become cast because we just simply get too fat. We allow things that in our life that, that are going to hurt us. Weights, as Hebrews talks about. Weights. 
And again, without the reviving, restoring hand of our shepherd, we're not getting back up again. I want to bring us to a story in John 21. The whole last chapter of the book of John is dedicated to the restoration of Peter. Think about that. Now, God had already called him. He is saved, called, commissioned, and yet here he is. He's going back. He's in a, he is in a, an extremely dangerous and vulnerable position. And friends, you might, you might get yourself into a situation like that where you need the shepherd to come along and say, you know what, I know you blew it, but it's time to get back to work. I have something for you. And where he restores your love. So yesterday we talked about keeping your focus on the Lord despite all of your, all the hurts and the people and the betrayals and the pagan culture and so on. But I want to encourage you today, you need to get your eyes to the Lord who will restore you even from your own failures. So let's look here, and I'm going to ask you to stand, and um, I know time is, is valuable in these chapel, uh, chapel sessions. My heart is full in what to say uh, to you today. I'm just asking the Lord to help. Um, but I do believe we need to just read the passage of Scripture. So would you, would you just tune your heart to the Scriptures? When we read, guys, let me encourage you, uh, we, don't, we don't open up our Bibles and preach to people. We don't read through the Scriptures to get to our message. The scripture is our message. So we need to take time, hear the shepherd, and then we'll explain it, okay? And so John 21, and after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel uh, of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into the ship immediately, and the night, at that night they caught nothing. And when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, don't you love that? Children, have ye any meat? They said, uh, answered him, No. And he said, cast thy net, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they, uh, they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, John, saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciple came in a little, uh, a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net, of, uh, uh, the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish. Don't you love that, that he even used what, what he allowed them to catch in that moment? He already had fish. He already had it provided, but he, he allowed them to be a part of this. And he invites them to bring their fish, which he have now caught. Um, caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter went and drew the net uh, to land full of uh, great fishes, uh, uh, an hundred and fifty and three. And uh, for all, there were so many, yet was the, uh, not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And now uh, none of the disciples durst ask, uh, Who art thou, knowing it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth, uh, giveth uh, them and fish likewise. 
This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So, when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch for thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, let's read those two words together, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the other disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on uh, his breast at supper and said, Lord, uh, which is he that, um, that betrayeth thee? Uh, Peter seeth him, say, uh, saith to Jesus, Lord, uh, and what shall this man do? Interesting question. What shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, if I, will tear, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that, the disciple, uh, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him that he should not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other, uh, other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written, and amen, amen. Lord, would you guide us today and help me to be efficient with time and Lord, I pray that you would just quiet our hearts before you. I don't know who is here today. You know the contents of our heart. You know the thoughts of our heart. I pray that you would use your word to encourage and strengthen with might in the inner man, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. So Peter had been with Christ for three years, right? Been walking with him. Sometimes Peter spoke out of turn. Sometimes he spoke out of haste. Sometimes he did some pretty dumb things, right? We all, uh, we all pick on Peter, but there's a little Peter in all of us. But you know what's amazing to me? Uh, a lot of times, even as we come to his denial, fear drove his, his decision. Fear drove his denial. And yet, even through that, Jesus was still going to shape him into a powerful, a powerful preacher of the gospel. One that had lost all of self-ambition, 
lost all of his pride that had been crucified out of his life. Jesus was going to shape him into that. And I find it very interesting that this last gospel written by John, whom Jesus did love and who, uh, who loved Jesus, I find it very interesting that it is devoted to the restoration of one of his disciples. Listen, the world is going to tell you, and even some other Christians will, will tell you, when you blow it, when you mess up, we might write people off our list, but Jesus doesn't write us off his list. And he does restore. He does restore. And I, I can remember times even sitting where you were sitting and, and feeling like, boy, I've blown it. The Lord could never use me. You should not think that way. That is what Satan wants you to think. And that might be what other people want you to think. But remember what Galatians tells us, that ye which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Uh, God's heart is always, always, always restoration. And we see that with Peter. I mean, he really, really did blow it, guys. I mean, this, this wasn't a small thing. He really did blow it. So let's look at the failure of Peter. It was there at the, the Sea of Tiberias, and, and that's the location that Jesus met him. Now, he told him to go up there. He had told him that I'm going to meet you there, but little did they know all that God was going to do there in the she, on the seashore. And so let's look at the failure of Peter and, and understand, first of all, that, it, uh, that Peter did not expect this failure. Now, that's a problem in and of itself that we don't expect. We don't, we don't understand our own limitations, our own uh, potential to fail on Jesus. And uh, when we don't realize that, we can really get ourselves into a situation, a position where we are just primed and ready for Satan to breathe on us and just push us over. I mean, it's, it's just a real thing. Just do not underestimate. You, you are not as strong as you think you are always remember that he is strong, I'm not strong, and as long as I stick close to him and keep my eyes on him, I'll be strong. But Peter wasn't in that way. There was an unexpected sin of failure in Mark chapter 14. We find that uh, when Jesus said after, after dinner, he says, listen, uh, you're going to deny me. Uh, you're going to be offended in me. And, and, and Peter goes, no, 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 not me. He says, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus said, verily, I say unto you this day, even this night, before the cock crow thrice, you shall, uh, twice, uh, you shall deny me thrice. But he, uh, and he spake the more vehemently. I mean, he's arguing with God. How, he argued with God before. He's arguing with God here, and he's saying, no, I'm not going to deny you. In fact, the, the tense of this uh, is, is a double negative. It is the idea that, no, there is no possible way, Jesus, that I'm going to deny you. That was the spirit of Peter. I mean, you look at that, and you say, well, I see that arrogance. Oftentimes, we don't see the arrogance in our own life that sets us up for a fall. God warns us in the book of Proverbs, hey, beware, beware. Uh, you arrogance, pride goes before a fall and destruction, and that was going on. So later on, Mark chapter uh, 14, verse 66, we find the story, and you know it well, that he denies three different times he denies, and even gets to the point where he is allowing old, unsaved Peter to come out and to begin to cuss and to curse and to declare, hey, I'm not there. He begins to identify with the world in his language to say, no, I'm not with Jesus. Now think about that. And also think about the fact that that potential lies in each one of us. That potential is a reality. There are people who have sat in these seats, and we don't, we don't look down on them, we're not kicking them by this statement, but there are people that have sat in these seats who have mouths like sailors today and would have thought, no, I'm going to follow the Lord all the way to the end. And it was their pride and their arrogance. They're not realizing their own, their own potential that, that led them in those paths. Friends, we all have that potential. 
I remember asking Dr. Bill Hall uh, on the front row of the auditorium. I said, you know, what is it? God has used you over all these years. What is it that has kept you from getting arrogant and prideful? And I, I, I remember him saying something to the, to the sense of, you know what? I've just remembered my own, my own potential. Now I'm nothing. You know, friends, we have to be there. We're nothing without Christ. Peter was nothing without Christ. Uh, Peter had value because of what Christ was doing in his life. And so, do you know what happened? He fails, and he fails really, really big. I mean, he fails in front of a lost world. And that's a sad thing anytime that happens. And David talks about uh, his failure causing the enemies of God to blaspheme. But we have that going on today. Anytime we hear about a, a public scandal and see how the, the enemies of God can blaspheme, oh yeah, those independent Baptists, there's another fall. Friends, it's a serious thing. And, and here we have Peter, he's failing publicly. But notice what happens, Mark 14 and verse 72, there's a personal effect of this failure upon Peter. There's overwhelming brokenness. He immediately begins to weep bitterly, it says in verse seven, uh, 72, when he thought on it, when he thought on it, I just messed up on God. I just failed. I sinned before my, my Savior. I sinned before the one I love. He wept. Luke 22 and verse 61, we find that he, he, uh, when the Lord turned and looked at him, imagine those eyes. When the Lord turned and looked at him, the Bible says that he went out, Peter went out and wept bitterly. It, it's the idea that Peter burst out in tears. I mean, it just, the emotion hit him. Remember, this is a tough fisherman. This is a guy that had been through storms on, on the different seas, and he was a tough man. I mean, these, these weren't wimps, but here he is. He is reduced to bitter tears bursting out before his Savior, and it is amazing that it is in those bursting out of tears, the, the brokenness of his heart, that God was going to begin to restore him. Remember what Psalm 51 and verse 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. It was in this moment that God God could begin to rebuild and restore a Peter who had denied him. But there was also an ongoing sense of worthlessness because here we have a man who has now said, no, there's no possible way I'm going to deny him, yet he has gone and done the exact thing he said I will never do. You talk about a feeling of worthlessness. Mark 16, verse number 7. Jesus singled out Peter through the words of the angel, but go your way and tell the disciples and Peter, I love that. And Peter, you make sure that Peter hears this. You make sure that Peter hears that I'm alive, that I'm still concerned about him. What I hear is we read in John 21, he goes, I go a fishing. They worked all night. They worked all night. They're out there working, toiling. Now, they're going fishing. We can, we can really jab at him for this. But do remember Peter had a family, Right? This was his motive. This was the way that he had as an op occupation. Obviously, the Lord was calling him away from that. But don't focus so much on the fact that he just went fishing. Uh, don't, 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 we can't jab at him too much. But I do want us to understand, even in this moment as he's there, there is no catch. Here's fishermen with no catch. You talk about demoralizing. He can't serve Christ. He can't catch fish. Guys, do you know what we're talking about here? When you get to that point where you've failed in so many areas and you're like, I can't do anything right. And that's where Peter is. 
totally worthless, totally broken before, um, before God. He was humbled to the core, and that's when God could begin to work in his life. And friends, I'm telling you, there are going to come times in your ministry where God brings you to, um, to multiple points. And it, it, it does happen in season where he brings you to multiple points of humility. I cannot do this without God. I need him. I need him in my life. I need him to, to work. And here's the beautiful thing. The very next part of this is as he's there in the, sea, uh, in the sea, he's working and failing at that too. It is when we discover the faithfulness of Jesus, not just the failure of Peter, but number two, I want you to notice the faithfulness of Jesus. In verse number one, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And here's how it happens. So God wants us to know how this happens. So he shows himself again after the Sunday meeting in Jerusalem. He shows himself again. He, he manifests himself. Wait a minute, he failed. Yes, Jesus went there to manifest himself to a failed disciple. Hmm. Jesus is concerned. Now, verse number four, the morning came, Jesus stood on the shore. They knew not that it was Jesus. He begins to question them. Hey, guys, how's it going out there? Catching anything? That uh, wasn't condescending. That's not a lot. I told you so you got to catch the heart of our shepherd here. Guys, don't paint God as, this, as this, this one who is just waiting to club. Don't allow that mindset to stay. He is our heavenly father, friends. And here Jesus says, hey, guys catching anything? Now, questions from Christ oftentimes reveal our heart, right? He's, he's working. He's diagnosing. What does a doctor do? He asks questions. Why? To, to get at you? No to reveal some things. Hey, what's going on? What's really going on? Hey, are you guys catching anything? And uh, when, he, when he said, hey, guys, uh, go ahead and cast on the other side, cast on the right side, very specific. God's direction is very specific. Just learn to obey. Say, yes, sir. All right. Lord, I will cast on the right side. So they did, and what happens? 153 fish. Well, that's a pretty, pretty awesome catch. I mean, 153 times the success of last night, all right? You know, that's a pretty awesome catch. And when we follow his instruction, just trust and obey, for there's no other way there's, there's blessing in that. So they did, and immediately they knew, hey, this is Jesus. I mean, this is something that we didn't do. This is, this is Jesus Christ. He is doing this. And this was, the Bible tells us, through, through John as the penman, the, the Bible tells us this is the third time that Jesus had showed himself to his disciples. He'd been in Jerusalem, and now this is the third time. Jesus is really trying to... To, to get to his disciples and really just cement them and, and get them prepared for the days when they're going, to be, they're going to be carrying out his commission through the book of Acts without him present in person, though they would always have the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want you to catch about that. Restoration in our lives always begins with the manifestation of Jesus. It's going to be Jesus getting real to you again. It's going to be him showing up in your life and you having a fresh realization of his presence and of his love in your life, not of his condemnation. He will reprove us. He will chasten us. He does that. And that's what his word does. 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 16. His word is there to uh, give us doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. It does all that. He will do that. It, it, that's the reality. But restoration always begins with him showing up in our lives again. Hey, if you're feeling like you failed, 
Get alone with Jesus. Get in an hour with God. Get alone with Jesus. Discover him again. Ask him to meet with you again. That's the point of restoration. And here it is. He is showing himself a third time. Jesus didn't give up after the first time. He didn't give up after the second time. I'm like, oh, these guys just don't get it. No, the third time he's out there manifesting himself. And I don't know about you right, right now, it's about time we might just get a little Pentecostal and just say, hey, praise God for that type of a shepherd who loves and is persistent in our hearts. Listen, it's a blessing to know we have a Savior that does not give up on us. And he's not going to give up on you. You stay close to him, stay close to him, and keep your attention on him. He's not going to give up on you. And when you stray, he's going to manifest himself. Praise God, for a, praise God for a shepherd like that. And he hasn't changed, friends. He has not changed. That's the one you have been called by and that you're going into this very, very dark world to minister with. I was flying in and just noted the, the, night, uh, the night darkness being poked with lights. You know, our world's pretty dark right now. You know, you came, come into Milwaukee. This isn't any picture of the, the, the Christ-likeness of Milwaukee. But there's a lot of light there as you get closer to the city. But you know what that we want? We want to see the light of the Lord Jesus Christ illuminate the darkness of this world, right? And you're going into this world with a Savior like this, who even when you fail, manifests himself and wants to restore you. What a God we, we have. And so he does restore Peter. He does. He manifests himself, but he does restore Peter in there in verse number 15. Uh, and he does it through questioning. Now, he, he does not ridicule him here, friends. He does not ridicule. Be very, very careful. I can think uh, just in the last year of a, uh, of a pretty public failure that happened. You know what? I happened to have that guy's cell phone, and so uh, texted him, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I'm praying for you. You know, we can, we can ridicule. We can ridicule. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is kind. He doesn't shame him. Uh, he doesn't blast them publicly. Well, I just knew he was going to do that. You know, there's going to be failures even sometimes in, in people who you don't agree with, and it's still not right to go after them and publicly shame them. Jesus always seeks to restore. And so he comes to him and he asks questions. He goes, uh, lovest thou me more than these? Well, that's an interesting question. Hey, I said that there, you would deny, and he goes, hey, Though all will deny you, I'm not going to deny you. Though all, hey, though all my friends here in the room, all your other disciples, they might deny you, but not me. And Jesus says, hey, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Well, that's a pretty heavy question because Peter had boldly said, hey, I, I, I do love you more than these. I'm not going to be the one to deny you. So he says, hey, do you love me? And Jesus, uh, Peter answers back, uh, Lord, you know that I, I love you. You know, cognitive, you know by experience that I, I, I love you like a friend and then feed my lambs. I have a purpose for you. I have a, a mission for you. I, I didn't call you by accident. I have a place for you to serve. I have people, I have lost people who need to hear it from your mouth. And then he asks the second time, do you love me sacrificially? Do you, do you love me in a, a way that you're willing to sacrifice for me? And again, Peter says, yeah, yes, you know, you know by experience I love you like a friend. It's interesting how Jesus was being very specific in the way he asked about his love. Then that third time he goes, do you love me like a friend? Do you love me like a friend? Really? Lord, you know cognitively all, all things. You know, you know, you see it all. 
In your mind, you know absolutely everything. You know experientially, too, that I love you like a friend. I've been there with you, been through some difficult times with you, been on, through storms with you. Then feed my sheep. You know what Jesus is doing? Is he's reassigning them. Peter thought, I'm done. I'm going fishing. I'll just go back to the old way. I just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm done with this. I'll go back to construction. I'll go back to doing what I do. Friends, don't underestimate the power of that happening, or the, the, the potential of that happening in your own life. I'll just go back. I'm not ready for this. I'll just go back. I, I'm, I'm not good enough for God. No, God called you, and his calling is without repentance. And again, I just say, I, 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 I can't underestimate the, the reality of that in my own life, but I've also seen it happen with, with people that we know who, who go back. You know, I'm not good enough for God. I'm so thankful we have a Savior that says, you know, hold on, I'm going to restore you, and I have a purpose for you. I still need you, and God needs you. Our world needs you. I think I alluded to this yesterday, but there's a group of pastors over in the Great Lake region, Michigan and, and Ohio. Do you know what we're praying for right now? People like you. We need you. We need young ladies with a heart for the ministry. We need young men with a heart for the ministry. We need young men with a, a will to work uh, that are willing to just, just serve and just obey Christ. And, 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 and then we need, we need pastors and we need evangelists. This world, I mean, it, it, it is, the need is so, so vast. The greatest need we have, it, we have money. All the money that is needed to plant churches and all those things. It, it, it is all there in the different churches we need. We, need, we have the power of God. We have, we have a needy mission field. We have need, needy lost people, but we need laborers. And what did Jesus tell us to pray for? We need laborers. And here he is at the seashore. He's saying, hey, hey I have a purpose for you. I haven't, I'm not done with you, Peter. I need you. I have a purpose for you, and I'm assigning you. Go feed my sheep. Now, uh, it, it was this assignment that Jesus was giving to him, but he had to test his love. And it's the love that we have for Christ, our love for Christ that will ultimately be what causes us to be devoted to Christ. And without that love, we're nothing, friends. Now, we need to realize his love for us. It's unending. It's, it's eternal. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, we need to realize that love for us and then respond to that love with, Lord, I love you. I will be devoted to you towards the end, not because of some greatness in me, just because I want to give back to you. And here we have Jesus testing his love. And so really in this moment, he's forgiven isn't it a blessing to be forgiven? Totally forgiven, right with God. We don't believe in, you know, I have to, I have to go through a bunch of uh, you know, works to, to get forgiven. I, I confess my sin, I ask for his forgiveness, and he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Done. Done. And so we have a forgiven man here. But what if I fail again? That comes to mind. What if I fail again? What if I do the same thing over? Well, here's what Jesus says. Uh, Peter, uh, yeah, I know about your failure. You've seen I'm faithfully here manifesting myself a third time talking to you today. I've not given up on you. I, I'm not giving you the silent treatment. I'm not writing you letters saying, hey, it's all done. Uh, go back to fishing. Go do what you do. You blew it. No, we see that Jesus describes the future of Peter. Notice in verse number 18, John 21, Verily, verily, I send to you, when you're young, basically did what you went about as you, you pleased. Then he says, when you're, you're old, uh, you're going to be carried about. Verse 19, this he spake signifying by what death 
he should glorify God. Notice he says, Peter, there's a future, and there's a future of sacrificial love toward me. There's a future of sacrificial love towards me. Uh, notice he says this death that he would die or that he would die and glorify God. The idea of, uh, of glorifying it, this is going to be how you are in the future. You are going to bring glory to my name. Remember, you remember that our chief purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Right? Are you with me on that? Okay, to glorify God. And so here's what he says. You're going to actually fulfill my purpose for your life. You are going to glorify God. It's not going to be in the most grand way. It's going to be in a way that you sacrifice your very life for me in love. Peter, you denied me. But you have a future of loving me. And you're going to be so determined in your love, so rock solid in your love, that you will even go to the cross. And uh, tradition tells us that, that it was probably 34 years later that he would give up his life for Jesus Christ on a cross, not hanging uh, in it, it with his head up, but asking to be hung with his head uh, pointed downward because he felt that he was not worthy to uh, die the same way as his Lord. Again, that's tradition, not, not a- absolute, but uh, the tradition passes that down. History passes that down to us. And it just seems that Peter, Peter came to the end of his life to a point where he would die for his Savior, to sacrifice his love for the Savior, and was very ready in his heart to do that. As ready as he was to deny in that, that night and, and to go back on Jesus, a fail on Jesus, at the end of his life, he so loved his Savior that he was ready to die for him. Wow, what a restoration. We can't miss verse 19. The last two words of verse 19. When he had spoken this, he saith unto him, repeat it again with me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Look at verse 22. If I will that he, John, tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Read those three words with me. Follow thou me. Peter, you have a future of sacrificial love as you allow me to write your future. What's following? Following is taking steps after another. I may not know where that person's going, but I'm following them. Jesus was inviting Peter into an unknown future, but simply following him. How are you going to get to that point where you are so devoted to me and, and so love me? I, I, very much, I very much imagine in my mind that Peter heard what Jesus saw in his future and was like, wow, I don't know how that's going to happen. That's not how I felt just uh, three weeks ago. What was the answer? Follow me. Follow me. Day by day, follow me. Instruction by instruction, follow me. Follow me into this future. Follow to behave in accordance and in agreement with. Follow after me. Let me direct your path. Let me write your story. Uh, Let me be your dream and your ambition. Let me uh, bring you to your fullest potential. Present your body a living sacrifice unto me. Let me write your story. And friends, let me just tell you this. Don't get so consumed with what is God going to do with my whole life. Just simply learn to obey him this step. Hey, listen, some of you might be coming to the end 
end of your college career and you might not know what the next, uh, what the, the big picture is, but following the next step, Lord, where do you want me to go to serve? Do you want me to go back to my home church and serve? Go there, what the Lord says to do. Just simply follow the next step. And then when he shows you that step, follow the next step and continue to follow after him in that way. And you will live a glorious life of sacrificial love to the Savior. Friends, I can't underestimate that enough. Sometimes we, in our young minds, we think, well, i got to have this. God called me to be a pastor. i got to have that position. Friends, you might not ever have that position if you don't learn to follow him every single step of the way. Peter would not have had the glorious end of his life sacrificially being given up as a sacrifice to his Savior and loving him in that way if he simply did not follow him. Go to the upper room, stay there, pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit, then go to the um, the temple square, declare my name, preach there. Hey, go up and confirm the saints in Samaria. Confirm over there. Hey, go over to this Gentile. Preach to him every step of the way, along the way, obeying and following him. And we got to get really good about this whole thing of just simply trusting and obeying every step of the way. I'm telling you, the Lord had to lead me through a time of just simply realizing, you know, follow me. Don't go here. Go here. And I say that, you know, I was, I was supposed to go have an assistant pastor position right after college. Well, the Lord closed that door. I still remember it was Pastor Schultz's old office that I made the call and told the pastor, I'm not going to be able to come. Well, that was a hard call. Well, because, you know, I'm, I'm called to be a pastor, so, you know, the Lord certainly is just going to land me a position. You know what the Lord did? I go to Dayton. We went on our honeymoon. I didn't have a job. I finished up in Indiana working construction and went to Dayton, got, got married, and didn't have a job. On our honeymoon, the Lord provided a job, but the guy ended up being a, a liar and a, a, and a cheat, so I had to quit after two weeks. I mean, it was, it was bad. I mean, a man with a heart for ministry hired, uh, said, I'll throw some work your way. I, I did painting and construction, and so I throw some work your way. Five years, God put a paintbrush in my hand. And you know what? During those five years, sometimes I got to teach a Sunday school, do youth, do different things, but you know it didn't turn out how I thought. Not at all. But you know what? To the best of my ability, not always perfectly, just obey the Lord. He said, go to Dayton. He said, uh, teach a, a fourth or six-year-old class, uh, or a fourth or sixth grade class, and uh, work with the youth. Well, that's not, Lord, I'm, I'm not super good with youth. You know, all along the way, just, just obey, just obey. You know, I never thought I'd stay in Dayton. Not at all. You know what? All along the way, the Lord just kept on giving instruction. I remember when a missionary brought me out at the age of 28. He didn't know my situation. He goes, what do you want to do with your life? I said, God's called me to be a pastor. You need to wait till you're 30. Interesting. That's pretty direct. But he didn't know that week my wife and I had been praying. Well, we need an answer. You gave a call. I don't see it. You know what the Lord said? Just sit tight. Wait. Wait. You know what? If I had not followed the the simple instructions of the Lord all along the way, I would have short-circuited what God was trying to do. And I'm telling you, Peter was simply just to follow Jesus and let him write the story. You're not going to write a very good story, friends. You need to follow him. And and sometimes, guys, listen, sometimes that's not going to be a position right away. It might just be serving in your church at home. And being a right arm to your pastor. It might be offering to come in and pray with him or go soul winning with him. 
Friends, just serve. What God tells you to do, just serve. Be content to serve and to obey the Savior. And so he says, follow me. And we have to heed that call. We have to, Mark 8, 32, uh, whosoever is going to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What's follow? Uh, Looking to the Lord. Looking to the Lord. What do you want me to do? Hebrews tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So no matter the past failure, no matter your present sense of, oh man, I failed on God, or I don't think I could ever be used again, can I just remind you that when we follow Jesus, he will lead us into a glorious future of glorifying our creator. That's what he wants to do with us. And if we'll just say yes to him and follow after him, he will restore when we've uh, messed up. He will restore. That's our Savior. He is a restoring Savior. That's, that's, the, that's who he is. He hasn't changed, not in one way. He has not changed. He still restores people today just like you and me. He's not going to discard you. He's going to restore you as you turn to him. And that's his heart. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you. And friends, I cannot underestimate enough I could preach to you about what you, what you need to do or what I think you need to do. I cannot underestimate enough how much this world needs you. And they need restored Peters. Ones that are in love with the Savior again and just simply content to say, you said to go there, go to Jerusalem, I'll go there. You said to wait till the um, Spirit comes, I'll wait. You said to preach to 3,000, I'll preach. You said to go to... Dinky Tanner's house, I'll go there. Said to go to the Gentiles, I'll go there. That's Peter. And that can be us. There's a little bit of Peter in all of us. I'm sure thankful today we have a restoring Savior. I don't know where you are today. Um, This might be something for the future. Or it might be something for right now. We have a restoring Savior. We have a restoring Savior. That's who he is. And that's who he is to you. Would you bow with me and... Let's talk to the Savior about this. Are you struggling with a past failure? Keep coming to mind. Go to witness for Christ. Satan brings it up. Someone asks you what you're called to do and that comes to mind. You feel worthless like Peter did? He said to God, I can't do anything right. What would you do if Jesus asked you three times, do you love me? Are you willing to follow him? Let him restore you? Our Father, we just ask that you would just do a work in our hearts right now. Lord, I can't get past the potential that's in this room. Lord, I thank you that your callings are are without repentance. That every one of these young people, you have a purpose for, just like you had a purpose for Peter. I pray that you you would help them to meet with you, even right now. In Jesus' name, amen.